Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. Oh, it is so good to be celebrating the birth of Jesus with you all. You look amazing, by the way. And for those of you um, who consider Mission Point home, it is a Christmas miracle. I'm wearing a tie. Let's just get that out of the way. Um, <laughs> God can indeed do the impossible. Ha! Huh? If you're a guest with us, a special welcome. We are so thrilled that you chose to come and spend some of your Christmas um, weekend with us. And uh, we just trust that you leave this place impressed with who Jesus is, impressed with who um, God is and what he has done for us in the birth, life, death, and resurrection of his son. This morning, we are going to spend some time just re-looking at the Christmas story, and we're going to look at the Christmas story through the eyes of Joseph. But I think it's important for me to warn you ahead of time, we have kids in the service, and so I'm going to look at this story through the lens of Joseph, but I'm going to discriminate against adults and speak primarily to the kids. And so I just want you to brace yourself for that, because if you came here and you're super sophisticated and a hyper-intellectual and very debonair, um, you might need to endure this for a, a few uh, moments. And I don't apologize for that. We're going to talk to the kids a little bit. Um, but listen, here's the bottom line. Christmas is not just a story about a child. Christmas is a story that is best embraced with the faith of a child. And so even as we simplify this um, somewhat PG-13 story, um, I trust that the Holy Spirit will use it not just to speak to our kids, but to speak to everyone who would come to him with a child's kind of Faith. If you have a copy of the Bible, uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1. We're going to start reading at verse 18, and we're going to pause and just make observations as we work our way through this story. Matthew chapter 1, we're going to start reading at verse 18. If you don't have a copy of the Bible, no need to worry, no need to fret. Uh, the verses are going to show up here on the screen behind me. So, Matthew chapter 1. And we are going to start reading at verse 18. If you are ready, by the way, can all the kids say, yeah? Oh, man, I need you guys here because it's typically not this festive. So thank you. That's fantastic. All right. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Here's what it says. Um, it says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she, Mary, was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. That's how the Christmas story starts here. Um, Mary, who is the mother of Jesus, uh, she's a young lady, and she is promised to marry a man named Joseph. Um, 
Mary loves Joseph, Joseph loves Mary, and and they love each other, and I love you, and you love me, and we're going to be a a happy family. No, I love you more. No, I love you more. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. They love each other very, very much, and they've promised that they're going to start a family together after they get married. That's what they said. But then, uh uh-oh, Surprise! God does something no one expected. One day, God says to Mary, Mary, it's time for you to become pregnant. And then God says to Jesus, who's living with him up in heaven, Jesus, it's time for you to go down to earth and become a baby. And so guess what happened? I don't know if that's the sound that it made. I don't know. But when God said this, Jesus, who was God and he was living in heaven, he left heaven and he came all the way down to earth and he started to live and grow in Mary's body as a baby. How strange is that? Can you imagine, by the way, one minute you are God up in heaven and the next minute you're a tiny baby living in Mary's body. That was an awesome miracle. By the way, kids, you can ask your parents. That was an awesome miracle. Why? Because never, ever, ever at any point ever in the world has any lady ever, ever had a baby living in her body without the help of a man. And we praise Jesus because we like to help. But in this particular story, God did an awesome miracle. He just said the words, you will have a baby growing in your body. It was a miracle. And I'm telling you, all the doctors would have heard about that and they would have said, no way. And all of the smartest books and all of the smartest people would not have been able to figure it out. And everyone who heard about the story of a woman who had a baby living in her without the help of a man would have said, that's impossible. But guess what? God loves to do impossible things. God loves to do things that no one else in the world could do, that none of the smartest or the strongest people could ever do. God loves to do things that make all of us say, wow. And that's what he did at Christmas time. And so Jesus came down and he started to live in Mary's body. A pretty cool miracle. But here's the question. Uh, I wonder how Joseph felt about it when he heard that God had told a baby to start living in Mary's body. Well, um, let's find out. Verse 19. Because Joseph, her soon-to-be husband, that's what this means, He was faithful to the law, and yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in his mind to divorce Mary quietly. Uh Uh-oh, that's not good. 
When Mary told Joseph, Joseph, guess what? God told a baby from heaven to come and live in my body. And so now I have a baby growing in my body. Joseph became really upset and he said, I don't believe you. That's impossible. I think you broke our promise, and I think you are just trying to start a family with somebody else. I think you love somebody else more than you love me, and you want to start a family with me. I don't believe you. I think you are lying, and I think that you broke our promise, and I think that you broke God's law. Joseph was not happy. No, I promise. I'm telling you the truth, Joseph. God did it, and and he told me to become pregnant. But Joseph said to himself, nope. She broke a promise, and she broke our relationship, so I'm going to break up with her. I'm not going to marry her anymore, and we're not going to start a family together anymore. But Joseph didn't want to embarrass Mary and have everybody find out what she did. And so he said, I'm probably just going to leave in the middle of the night and go and live in a different town. By the way, can you imagine how hard this would have been for Mary? Have you ever been telling the truth and no one believed you? Have you ever been in a place where somebody said, you did something wrong. You took that, and you know you didn't do it, and you're trying to tell them, I didn't do it, but they just don't believe you. Mary was telling Joseph the truth, and Joseph just wouldn't believe her, and that would have been so super hard for Mary, because no matter what she tried, it was impossible for her to change Joseph's mind. But guess what? I know someone who loves to do impossible things. He loves to do things that nobody else can do. And even though it wasn't possible for Mary to convince Joseph that she was telling the truth, it was very possible for God. So God decided, I'm going to help Joseph believe Mary. And he did it in a very cool way. Look at verse 20. It says, But after he had thought about this, he had considered this, an angel from the Lord, from heaven, appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is living in her body, what is growing in her is from the Holy Spirit. How awesome is that, by the way? Imagine one day Joseph is sleeping and is minding his own business and is having his sweet little dreams. And while he's dreaming, an angel from heaven who is really bright and shiny sneaks into his dream and starts talking to him. That would be super scary and super awesome but super scary, but also super awesome. So super awesome, let's say. It would be both of those things while he is dreaming. Excuse me, Joseph, I have a message from God. Don't break up with Mary. She is telling the truth. God told her to become pregnant, and he sent Jesus 
to live in her body. She's not starting a family with someone else. The baby growing in her body is from heaven. It's a miracle baby. And then the angel tells Joseph a little more about the baby that's growing in Mary. It says in verse 21, she, Mary, is going to give birth to a son. How cool is that, by the way, that Joseph got to know he was having a boy without any machines to help. God just told him, you're going to have a boy, which would have been super cool, unless Joseph wanted to be surprised and not know the gender of his, okay, never mind. But God told him, you are going to have a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill something God had said a long time ago through the prophet. The virgin will conceive without the help of any man and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which is just another way of saying Jesus, which means God with us. And then the angel left. Verse 24 says, when Joseph woke up, he did exactly what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. So Joseph woke up in the morning and he believed God. And Joseph woke up in the morning and he obeyed God. And Joseph woke up in the morning and I hope he went straight to Mary's house and knocked on Mary's door and said, Mary, I am so sorry I didn't believe you. I should have believed you. And now I believe you, because last night I was sleeping, and I was minding my own business, and then, whoo, a big, an angel came from heaven and started to talk to me and told me all about the special baby that's growing in your body, and it's going to be awesome, and it's going to save us from our sins, and it's going to be fantastic, and we're going to be a family, and we're going to be happy, and everything's going to be okay, and what's for breakfast? Okay, maybe it didn't go quite like that, but it might have. Thank you. But we know Joseph believed God had done the impossible, and he obeyed what God told him to do, and he accepted that Jesus was from heaven, and he and Mary started a very awesome family together. In fact, a few months later, Jesus, the miracle boy, was born, and that's how we got our first Christmas. God sent his son to live in Mary's body without the help of any man so that he could be born and live in our world. That is an awesome story. That is the Christmas story. But guess what? I haven't even told you the best part of the story yet. Because believe it or not, the best part of the story is not that an angel came into Joseph's dream. Oh, that's pretty cool. The best part of the story isn't that Joseph and Mary didn't break up and they started a family together. That's pretty cool, but that's not the best part of the story. The best part of the story isn't even that God sent a little baby to live in Mary's body. That's not the best part of the story. The best part of the story isn't even that a baby lived in Mary's body from heaven and the baby was born in a manger. That's not the best part of the story. The best part of the story is why the baby was born. The best part of the story is why God sent that little baby to live in Mary's body without the help of a man so that the baby could be born into our world. The best part of the story is why. And if you want to know why, the angel tells us why. In verse 21, he says, she, 
Mary, will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. He will save us from our sins. That is the best part of the Christmas story, is that Jesus came to save us from our sins. And I don't know if you knew this, but you need to be saved from your sins, and I need to be saved from my sins, and your daddy needs to be saved from his sins, and all of our friends need to be saved from, from, from their sins, and our politicians need to be saved from their sins, and our politicians, no, we all need to be saved from our sins. All of us. And that's the best part of the story, that that's why Jesus came. Now, I'm not proud to tell you guys this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. When I was a kid, I got in trouble a lot. Um, and especially, I got in trouble with my dad a lot, which wasn't very comfortable at all, because my dad was uh, really good at discipline. He was a professional punisher, and he, it, 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 really, it really wasn't fun at all. But you know, one thing I appreciate about my dad is that my dad never, 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 never one time punished me for something I didn't deserve. This is what my dad would say. He would say to all of us, his kids, while you live in my house, you will live by my rules. That's what he would say. And if you don't live by my rules, you will be in a little bit of trouble. Do you understand? And I would say, yes. Yes, Dad, of course I understand. So don't eat this, okay, and don't touch this, and please don't say this, and please don't go there, and please don't eat this, because that was where a lot of my problems came from. Do you understand my rules? And I would say, yes, Father, of course I understand your rules. And then my dad would leave, and I would start to say to myself, hey, self, maybe if I'm super careful and I sneak around really quietly, I'll be able to break one of his rules, and he'll never find out. And he found out because I had an older brother and three younger sisters who loved it. Dad, <laughs> we saw him. And they were so super tattletaily. And so I'd always get in trouble. And then my dad would always do the same thing. He would ask me, did you understand my rules? Yes. Did you know you shouldn't have done that? Yes. Did you do it anyway? Yes. And then things would get super uncomfortable after that. And, um, and my stinging bottom would remind me that was not a good idea. We should have done what dad said in the first place. And then a few minutes later, I would feel a little better. And I would start to say to myself, self, <laughs> maybe if this time we're a little more 
more careful, he won't find out and will get away with it. And he found out and my booty paid for it. And my dad told me this is what's going to happen and I would do it anyway. Did you know that that's how it works with God? That God created all of us, everybody you know and you, God created all of us and God said, while you live in my world, you will live by my rules. And so he gave us rules like don't steal and don't lie and don't disobey your parents and don't try and start a family with someone you're not married to and don't wish you had something that somebody else has instead of them having it. And he gave us a lot of rules. And he said, if you break my rules, you will break our relationship. And I don't want our relationship to be broken because you were created to have a relationship with me. You were created to be happiest in a relationship with me. I don't want you to break our relationship. And if you break my rules, I will punish you. Not by spanking you, not by a timeout, but I'll punish you by putting you in a very dark and painful place called hell and you will live there away from me and will never be together ever, ever again. And you stay there forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and you'll never be able to get out of that place ever if you break my rules. And guess what we did? Hmm, does God really mean that? Hmm, maybe if I'm super careful and very sneaky and, 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 and nobody sees me, then maybe I'll be able to get away with it and God will never know and God always knows. God sees everything. And if you're like me, then you broke his rules. And I know you did because the Bible says everyone has broken his rules. I've broken his rules. You've broken his rules. Your mom's broken his rules. Our friends have broken his rules. Our neighbors have broken his rules. Everybody has broken his rules, which means we are in big trouble. Because if we've broken his rules, it means we've broken our relationship with God and it means God is going to punish us forever and ever and ever and ever and it will never stop. And you know the scariest part of this is there is nothing we can do to fix it. There is nothing we can do to change it because we've already broken his rules and we can't go back and not break his rules because we've already done it. There is nothing we can do to fix our relationship with God because it's broken now and we can't fix that. There is nothing we can do to stop God from punishing us forever and ever and ever and ever. We are in trouble. We are helpless. Do you know what that means? It means we need a Savior. There is nothing we can do. By the way, you can go to church as many times as you want and that will never fix what is broken. You can give a lot of stuff to the poor and it's never going to fix what is broken. You can do your homework and that's never going to fix what is broken. We cannot fix what we broke. It is impossible for us to fix it and yet 
I know someone who loves to do impossible things. I know someone who loves to do what nobody else can ever do. I know someone who loves to fix what no one else can ever fix. I know somebody who loves to do things that the rest of us would say, but it's impossible. And that's exactly what the best part of Christmas is about. It's God saying, you broke our relationship and you broke my rules and I have to punish you and there's nothing you can do about it, but I have a way to fix it. I am going to send my son Jesus <laughs> to live in the body of this lady named Mary so he could be born into your world. And here's why I'm going to do that. Because you couldn't keep my rules. So I'm going to send Jesus and he's going to keep my rules for you. You broke my rules. He's never going to break a single rule. And I'm going to send Jesus, and instead of punishing you, I'm going to punish Jesus on the cross so I don't have to punish you. And you know what? I'm going to separate myself from Jesus so that you and I can become friends again. It says she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins and he will fix what they've broken and he will fix their relationship and he will take away all of their punishment. That's what the best part of Christmas is all about. And look at what it says in verse 23 of Matthew chapter 1. I like this, and it's easy for us to just read over it. It says, the virgin will conceive without the help of any man, and she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. I love that because after all that we've broken, after all the wrong things we have done, God says, I want to be with you. I'm going to send my son to live in your world so that we could be together again. I want to be with you so much, I am going to send my son. That's what makes the Christmas story so special. It's why Jesus came to fix what we broke and make a way for us to be friends with God again and to make a way for us to live in the happiest place ever, ever, ever with God forever and ever and ever and ever. And you know, the coolest part is all we have to do is admit that we broke God's rules and broke God's relationship and ask him to take away our sin. That's it! How amazing is that? God said, you messed up and you broke it all, but I'm going to send Jesus, and he's going to do all of the work to take away your sin. All you have to do is admit, did you break my rules? Yes, we did. We admit it. And do you need my help? Yes. Would you please fix it? Would you please forgive me? And God says, Every time you ask me, I will forgive you and I will fix what you have broken. Look at this really, really cool verse in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. It says, if we confess, if we admit, if we say we broke your rules, he is faithful and just 
and he loves to fix it and forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We tell our kids he loves to take away all the bad things that you have ever done. And here's what I love about Christmas is every single one of us sitting in this room can experience a miracle this morning. Every single one of us can experience knowing that God has fixed what we broke and that God has taken away all of our sins and that we get to be with him forever and ever and ever and ever starting right now. All we have to do is ask him. Do you know that? Kids, it is that easy to just ask God, God, would you forgive me because I know I broke your rules. And you know the crazy thing is that there's so many people sitting in this room who will hear that and they'll say, no thanks. And like Joseph, many will say, I don't believe that. I don't believe you. And they'll say, no thank you to God's best gift called Jesus. And so that's really the only question left to answer. It's the same question Joseph had to answer. Do you believe God can do that for you? And some of us will hear what God has done and what God wants to do and will say, that's impossible. That's impossible. And we'll say things like, he couldn't forgive me because if, if he knew the bad things I had done, if he knew the things I had done, and if he knew the way people in my family treat me because of what I've done, and if he knew the way other people look at me because of what I've done, he wouldn't forgive me. But God is not like the people in your family, and God is not like other people. God will forgive you regardless of what you've done. That's why he sent Jesus. And some of us will say, but, but that sounds too easy. It can't be for free. Maybe if I work really hard to clean myself up and I stop doing the bad things for a long time, then maybe God will forgive me. God doesn't need you to stop doing the bad things that you've done. He knows you've done bad things. He just says, let me forgive you for the bad things that you've done. You don't have to fix yourself because you can't fix yourself. And some of us will say, well, that doesn't make sense. God wouldn't send a baby. And some of us, you know what some of the grown-ups in this room will say? Well... That sounds really simple. That sounds too simple. I came to a Christmas service. Excuse me, kids. I'm going to talk to the grown-ups for a second. Um, I came to a Christmas service expecting to be challenged with the sophisticated theologies and nuances of Christmas. And instead, there's a grown man up there talking to kids. It may be cute for kids, but it's not for me. And because of that, some of us, like Joseph, will say, so, in fact, while you were talking, I was trying to think about how I can secretly just, um, after the service, divorce myself from everything you've said and go back to minding my own business and doing my own thing. And I'll tell you what I love. What I love is when I get up here and I talk about Jesus and I talk about what God has done, I can't convince anybody to believe it. But I love the fact 
that God is in this room and he loves to do impossible things. And I'm praying that he would send an angel into your mind or into your dreams or into whatever he's going to do. He's going to ask the Holy Spirit to do whatever he's going to do to convince you that what you're hearing is beyond just a cute story for kids. It's beyond just a cute story for Christmas. But this is God from heaven sending a message to you saying you've broken this relationship and I want to restore it. And all you have to do is in simple faith like a child admit you've messed up and admit you can't fix it and I will do it for you. I love the Christmas story. It is about a child, but it's for people of any age. It's for anyone who admits, I know I've broken God's rules and I can't fix it. Well, thankfully, Jesus came into the world to fix what we had broken. What's keeping you? Can you think of a good reason why you wouldn't say, I want to have a relationship with God and I want my sin to be removed and I want to live with him now and forever and ever and ever and ever? Is there any good reason why you wouldn't say yes to the Christmas miracle and the gift that God offers to you? And I want to talk to some of you, by the way, who need to come back to this place of God's free gift. Maybe at some point you believed it, but you've wandered off. Um, and maybe you've wandered off to places where you were just trying to make it work, or, or maybe you've wandered off to places where you know you've messed up, but you are just you know, trying to fix yourself, and if you hold out for long enough, then maybe things will be fixed. And I'm just saying this is your invitation to come back to the place where God says, only I can fix what you've broken, and maybe you've wandered for a while, only I can bring you back. It's not a long journey to come back to me. It is a simple prayer. It is simply saying, I've wandered would you please bring me back? And in Jesus, in a moment, God says, I will forgive, I will restore. For some of us, we've been gone for a while and we've wandered far and this is your re-invitation. Come back to this place of experiencing forgiveness and thriving in this relationship with your God and your creator. So I don't know where you are, whether you're a kid or you're grown up, I don't know. Um, but what I do know is we've all messed up, and if you know you have, then there is the most amazing gift available to you, forgiveness. And so here's what we'd love to do as we, we close. Um, we'd love to pray a prayer together, and we're going to put it up on the screen so you can see it, because sometimes people say, pray this prayer after me, and you don't know what they're going to pray, so it could be a little bit tricky, but we want to put the prayer um, up here on the screen. Um, God, please forgive my sin and fix our relationship because of Jesus. Amen. And I'm going to ask you to pray this. Whether you've prayed it before or you're praying it for the first time, if you believe this, if this is something you believe and are willing to pray, I'd ask us to pray it out loud, if nothing else, because what a beautiful thing to be reminded. But also, for the sake of those who may be praying it for the first time, can we join them in praying this out loud together? 
So let's, let's pray this. Again, you don't have to pray this, but if you believe this, and I'm telling you, if you pray this with sincerity, this will change your life. It will be the most powerful statement you will have ever made in your entire life. And you will experience the miracle of being forgiven and restored to God, whether for the first time or whether being restored again to him. So let's pray this out loud together. God, please forgive my sin and fix our relationship because of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And Father, I pray that even as the team comes out, that your spirit would work in our hearts. Like Joseph, to accept Jesus as your gift from heaven to fix our sin. Thank you. Thank you for not leaving us hopeless. Thank you for not leaving us at a distance. Thank you for making a way for us to be right with you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you not allow any of us to just shake this off and move on, but that you would work and do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you prayed that for the first time, we would love to know that. We would love the opportunity to journey with you as you start this new walk. Um, if you're a parent and your kids are in here, I would encourage you to have the conversation with them. Um, they already will probably have questions about other things, but um, more specifically, I would encourage you to ask the questions. What did you hear? Do you believe that? Where are you at? God is doing something unprecedented in this next generation, which is why I am more than happy to speak directly to them. He is doing something beyond special. And as parents, those family members, I'd encourage you to come alongside and help steward that. And I trust we'll be surprised by what the Spirit of God is doing in them. And then I'd encourage you, talk to somebody else about what he's doing in you as well. But won't we stand together and sing?